Hey, welcome back, everybody. It's Food News and Shoes Radio, sponsored by Sullivan University. How's everyone doing today? Chef Jeremy? Yeah, yeah, Sylvie, yeah, Norma, yeah, how's yeah, everybody? Yeah, yeah, and good, uh, good. we're going to catch up with Sullivan here in a little bit because we love Sullivan. <laughs> and uh, Norma will bring us up to date on that. But you're going to we're going to talk a little bit about derby foods. Yeah, derby foods. And um, what's the first thing derby food comes to mind? Hot brown. Hot brown. Hot, and it's not even that derby-ish. It's yeah. just whenever I think horses in Kentucky, it just kind of pops in there. I don't know why. Bread pudding. But it's... Right? Bread pudding. Or is that more of a Keeneland thing? Uh, yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, and of course we have the mint looks right? <laughs> I just think of snacks. I think of snacks. Benedictine. Benedictine. You go to a, yeah. a derby party and it's just like a pot, a potluck. Right. There's just snacks and little meatballs yeah, and things and with Yeah, and you kind of let yourself go. So yeah, I, I think... You're right. I, I think you're right about that twitch like we we do a lot of derby catering mm-hmm. it's derby parties are a big deal around here so dupree has them all the way from louisville all the way stretched to lexington yeah and it's always some kind of snacky you know derby kind of food. It's, it's never Simple. like a, Simple. it's never a sit-down meal no it's always heavy order yeah bourbon, balls, bourbon, bourbon balls that's good <laughs> yeah. now some of the essential ingredients are like what snacky food are like yeah. just like cheese yeah let me tell you there's a few there's a few that we're trying out this year kind of new because we're trying to rethink some of the derby foods because quite frankly we've been we've been at this for 30 years in catering and and some of these foods you have to reinvent them a little bit Mm -hmm. to make them form so uh benedictine we've kind of re redone sylvia did benedictine yeah i did that on tv on television uh cucumbers green onions cream cheese nice spread uh we've we've been thinning that out with a little bit of buttermilk Mm -hmm. and turning it into a dip and then we we're just oh, frying up sweet corn fritters yeah. actually for the dip. So you know Kentucky's just kind of rich with corn. Forward, you're bringing that exactly. Forward, so so Weisenberger don't. Mills uh, self rising cornmeal, a little bit of sugar, and lots of fresh Kentucky corn kernels, right? And we just drop those in the fryer and make hush puppies, basically. And that's what we dip the cucumber. When are you making you know, those? Dip with the, are you doing this? Soon? Uh, that's on one of our uh, derby parties, but it's a it's a menu item for Dupree. But I'll I'll run those at Azure on the patio in the springtime. That sounds sneak, like a good sneak one. Sneak a couple of those. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for your old pal Sill. Another one is um, around here. We find that everybody likes biscuits. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just you know, oh yeah, right. And in hot browns, we used to use toast and all kinds of stuff like. But we're doing kind of a beer cheese biscuit hot brown, <gasps> and we're folding beer cheese one into the biscuit, but also the Mornay sauce is now beer cheese. Uh-huh. So it's a small little mini biscuit, a little bit of smoked turkey, smoked ham, smoked bacon. Ooh, the hot brown beer is something, cheese. It lends itself to a lot of different applications, doesn't it? Totally, yeah. Man. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I don't know where the original. Maybe croque madame or croque monsieur would have been the inspiration. I mean, there. This is this is not a, a new idea. An open faced meat sandwich, right? Mm-hmm. Right. But right. you know, the way we do it in Kentucky is good. But mm-hmm. anyway, a biscuit, the smoked turkey, smoked ham, smoked bacon, beer cheese. How tomato. tricky is the sauce? Because I've never been able to. Rep- it's, what is it called? Yeah. It's Mornay. So Mornay for your traditional. And guys, take this out. All you really need to do is melt a couple tablespoons of butter in a pan. Mm-hmm. And then once that's fully melted, use a, a tablespoon or two of flour, just enough to where the flour soaks up all the butter and you kind of have to scrape it across the bottom of the pan. And what you've done is made a roux. If you have that, then add milk to it, a couple cups, okay. and then slowly bring it up and it's going to thicken. You know, you're going to whisk it and make sure it's on low heat to not scorch it. So this is just a basic bechamel. Properly, you'd use an onion pick and a lot of classic French stuff to make it taste 
mm-hmm. different, right? Mm-hmm. And chefy, but the, the the base sauce you can just do with the the flour, the butter, the milk, and then just fold in your favorite cheese at the end. And that's all. That's a nice cheese sauce for anything, you know. Or Could you use that um, more universally, like on broccoli or something? Absolutely. Well, really, yeah. what you're, you're making is nacho cheese. Yeah. I mean, in its simplest form, it's nacho cheese sauce. It yeah. really is. So that's your queso. I <laughs> yeah. mean, it's it's queso. It, it's nacho cheese. It's right. And then you know, if you want to. What what's kind of cool about this one when you do the cream or milk based is they're reheatable they last longer mm-hmm. otherwise you're you're going to use a white wine or a stock and then you're talking about making fondue which is kind of a heat and eat you know you can't mm-hmm. really bring that one back right. it just turns back into solidified cheese and oil and breaks and it's not good but anyway back to derby right yeah so derby. what do you eat for derby like what do you, what do you actually eat for derby when you're when you're yeah, having a party like at your a main house. course kind yeah of thing. do, you, do yeah. you even do a main course or is it more or like a it snacky, more snacky? Thing? i think it's more That's snacky. all snacky every time i see it you know the only thing that i see a lot of is this like beef tenderloin mm-hmm. on rolls people have oh, that sure. that's or kind those of ham biscuits maybe ham oh. biscuits and beef tenderloin yeah. rolls that's kind that's of finger food mm-hmm. and derby, yeah right um you know other, other folks will put on a pot of burgoo and that's kind of uh-huh. the entree and then mm-hmm. they have lots of snacky stuff around that but um yeah. Anyway, derby foods are awesome. Yeah, they are yummy. And we're you got to now, it. And in, in the second half of the show yeah. today, we're going to talk to Ella Starr, right. who is going to speak in a derby, who is the guy who you know hopefully knows all with derby, also at Bourbon and Bets, right? Will help people make their bur- make their uh, their derby bets, or at least help you know what you should maybe be looking at. Obviously, no bets are 100%. That's why it's called betting. But LSTAR seems to know a thing or two. That's right. Azor's going to give them the bourbon and the food, and Ellis is going to give them the bets. Yeah, and that is coming right up, right? Sold it out. Is. Sold it's, out. It's, sold it's, out. It's a sold out one, guys. But, um, you know, next year, we do it every year. We'll yeah. get you. You know, this is the place to hear it first. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and Ellis, I've got a couple of food questions to ask Ellis. I know yeah. some secrets about Ellis. Okay, good. Yeah, good. so that'll be fun. Good deal. But we're going to talk about Sullivan. Okay. That's one of my favorite things. Um, you know, Sullivan is an unsung hero of being a culinary hero in this region. I mean, they are doing such phenomenal things. That's uh, the only reason I think that Lexington's grown from an independent and chef creative standpoint uh-huh. in the past 10 years. I mean, this is a corporate meat and potatoes town up until 15 years ago. Right. 10, that's when Sullivan started pushing out really quality chefs into the, to the Most places don't have like a, a high-end culinary incubator no. where we're talent. High-end incubator. That yeah, sounds good. Where way, talent comes out of. I mean, most people who, you know, go to culinary school move to go mm-hmm. somewhere else because you know it's just the way it is but we are lucky enough to have two really good culinary schools in the region one in louisville one in lexington which is that's pretty good for a place our size i, I think th- so i think so yeah, and I it's mean, probably it's spawned some of the incubators around town that we know are out there and mm-hmm. i know it spawned your core of chefs of young chefs yeah all the interns and all the new independent restaurants are opened by sullivan chefs it seems Oh, I love it. I love it. And Norma is has been on secret patrol. No, not so secret. <laughs> yeah, she's kind of a well-known figure over there. And she's going to bring us up to date on some programming. And I should mention that next week we're actually going to, and they do have some derby connections. And we're going to have Marika Adams on, who is one of their, like, superstar 
staff people that's going to be on to talk about even more programs <laughs> so you know i mean there's so much to talk about we've got to talk about it twice Absolutely. so what's going on at sullivan norma okay so i it's one of my favorite gigs too and i got to go over the other day and check out one of their brand new programs which is the five senses uh, at, um, it's an interactive campus experience, and where, other than the kitchen, would you be most likely to use your five senses? So, it's perfect. They got to watch chefs uh, do demonstrations. Who, who's this for? Who goes? It's, it's for, Anybody? oh, it's for the students. Prospective it's people? It's for prospective students. This group, of, actually, there's about 150 uh -huh. people there, and they are all Eastern Kentucky High School, I believe, in this particular group. They've got a but, real wild man who does he's so good uh, high school liaison right oh Derek yeah, yeah Derek Hardy yeah he was he was he was there involved I'm going to talk about in a minute a game energy. that we were playing he's very high energy so they they got to move between stations and see they were making pasta they were using chocolate uh, to do all kinds of fun were you things. doing that too no I didn't get to play <laughs> I was videoing though which I'll post some of the videos on the uh, Facebook page but uh, and watch and watching watching them now, play they there were was supposed fun. to be mm -hmm. a chef shadow and they had to postpone that chef shadow tell was about the chef shadow program well chef though. shadow awesome. was postponed but chef shadow is something they do at least twice, twice a year yeah. And uh, they bring in a group of, of prospective students. And I might mention, too, that the prospective students aren't always high school. There are some, like, second career people. And I had a fun chance to talk to uh, a student that's second career mm -hmm. up from Florida. And they spend uh, the day going through the different stations, making different items for a big lunch that they put on well that's a growing phenomenon that second career group oh yeah people i mean i think this is a demographic we all ought to pay attention to on this radio show and everywhere i'm really into it right now because the people like there's people in their 60s and 70s i mean really old people like me okay. who are going back into a second career and they're healthy enough to do it and that's, I think, uh, an area that Sullivan is probably trying to, to get into because they might want to learn how to cook or get an associate degree or something. They might want to go back. Oh, absolutely. So working on both ends of the spectrum, the young people in the high schools mm -hmm. and then the old people. Oh, and absolutely. Second careers, absolutely. Yeah, and I think food. there's also so many more things opening up in terms of, like, not just restaurants. There's food science. There's food marketing there's you know retail food it doesn't have to be yeah, you right. go to culinary school to you know pump it out in a restaurant there's That's other right. ways to do things and also the management right. side the resort side the management yeah. side the oh, business oh, side yeah. well, and, even, and that's absolutely. the other thing about yeah. 60s and 70s they have money yeah and they're spending it and yeah. they're going places and they're you know so so that's one of the reasons for having a strong culinary scene mm -hmm. is you got all these folks who have the leisure time and the leisure money. So what else is going right, on at right. So So they, they take these people through these. And then the other thing they did, which was really fun, they get them all in a room and they say, play a game. Want to play? Want to play this game? Do we have time to play Do a game? Do we have time to play sure. a game? Sure. Yeah, okay. yeah. Potato, pepper, or band? Uh, band. <laughs> no, no, no. You got you to tell me which when I tell you. Uh, Green Day. Band. Oh, it's a band, yeah. Okay, good. Scotch bonnet. Pepper. <laughs> yes. The Duke of York. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to let you guys say that what one. What was the other one? What was it? Uh, Rock band. What? 
pepper or or pepper, uh, potato. potato or band. I'm going to say potato. potato. Yeah. I'm going to say potato. Good. I'm losing. <laughs> but I have chili pepper. That's a band, but it's yeah. also it's a pepper. It's also a pepper. All right. Band, yeah. <laughs> What's a band? I don't get it. Like a music band. band. Like a music rock band. People who get together oh, to play I'm music. Sorry. <laughs> I, I have ten people living with me right now. Have I mentioned that? <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyway. Are they potatoes bands? Yeah. How many kinds of potatoes are there? A lot of different There's kinds of potatoes. Four thousand approximately four. different potatoes. Most of which, fun fact, are in the Andes and don't get out. But so they're about 150. Purple. I'm going to admit to you right now. I purple had no idea that was a potato. It was a strong guess because I yeah. didn't know. A, I don't know a pepper or a band name. <laughs> what did he guess? How many varieties of potatoes? What did he guess? Put? I missed this. Oh, the Duke of York. It's a. Potato. It's a potato. Uh huh. About how many varieties of potato do you cook with? I mean, really, I use russets, fingerlings, sweet potatoes, Okinawas. Um, what about those purple ones? Haven't you had yeah, those? Yeah, we use Peruvian purples. That's really the, uh, you know, our red potatoes, little new potatoes. We and we grow a lot of those locally, too. So those are those are pretty much on our menu towards July. Through. Wonder, Think about the time. about the Andes. But I don't know about cool. all those potatoes. I guess the growing conditions, because all those countries... Wouldn't it be cool? Had, yeah, mountainous, the, yeah, mountainous, rocky yes. soil. You would think about it, when we were younger, you went to the grocery store, they had potatoes. They had one-style potatoes. They were brown. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And now... And now you can go in, and there's just even a regular Kroger will have six or seven different varieties oh, yeah. and different sizes. when I was becoming a chef, like, the Yukon Gold potato was oh, hot, man. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. I love and those. And everybody was switching over making mashed potatoes with yeah. those. Now they're all back to rustic. Just, I don't know, me. like, how the style and trends of potatoes change over the years. But they Let do. me ask you this. What does it matter what you bake with? Like, does it, is it yeah, just taste sure does. Or, or does it taste? Is that yeah. all that matters? You, you want to, you know, Idaho russet baker is what you want. And you, and you want to do 250 to 300 degrees for mm-hmm. a real what long time. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. um, talking, that's the secret. I mean, the best baked potatoes, if England has any thing to claim culinary. for culinary, <laughs> it's they cook baked potatoes perfectly yeah. in England. Did you see that the big potato their time came to, do to it. town? The big potato. Did y'all know that? The no. Iowa big potato. Oh, the largest, no. the largest potato oh, yeah. ever. I've seen that thing. Yeah, it came in. How big was it? It was enormous. But like I, a car? You know, I wanted to go up and touch it and see if it was actually I real. It's so if one you, of those, like, it's on a big flatbed truck. Bed, truck flat yeah. If you're a home cook and you like to cook, maybe you're not, you know, you're not a chef. Yeah. And you got to get one one solid potato just to keep it all. Yeah. Which is your good general purpose general potato? General purpose potato. Wow, that is a hard question man something that can do it can mash it can bake you can you know fry it one potato to 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 end all the other potatoes would you go with yukon gold is that like the most uh that's what i guess i would think that that seems like because if you go with a red potato red potatoes are good for some things but but you know what i like i like the skins on yes see i think that's really that's where i'm kind of torn on the question is skin does matter for cooking preparation Mm -hmm. so the russet you know idaho baker is gonna cover every scenario whereas a a a thin skin yukon is not going to be a good baked potato not be a great fried potato not going to be a great fried potato so i think i'm gonna have to go with that utility old classic how do you make the skin crispy oh on the potato yeah so you want to basically toss the whole baked potato in olive oil 
and then mm. salt the heck out of it. Mm-hmm. Salt the, the devil yeah. out of it, yeah. man. Just Do you wrap it in uh, foil? So you can. I think that actually ends up uh, causing a little problem if you're looking for crispy, though. Right. I love crispy. Um, if you have an, ele- uh, an elevated rack for your baking tray, that's really going to help and space them apart. But convection, bake them. Do you poke? Because I don't poke. I don't like to poke. You mean Never like a poke. Yeah. Never. Some people poke, and I, I, I don't do. like. No I don't bueno, poke, guys. Wow. Don't wow. do it. It lets the steam out, which makes the inside less fluffy and creamy. Ooh, want fluffy. You want fluffy? You want creamy? You want fluffy. So the fluffiest no creamy potato is going to be what I'm talking about, like the three hour, three and a half. Yeah. <laughs> See, I think also when you poke, the moisture gets out and it keeps the skin from getting crispy. You know what I'm always afraid of? That the potato will explode. Uh, if I've I don't never. Poke. Now I well, can't. Are you microwaving it? No. Okay, good. <laughs> now, listen, I, so I can't say explode. that won't happen, but I'm 45 years old and, and probably cooked 10,000. I've never seen an exploding potato. <laughs> I don't know that it doesn't. I can't say <laughs> it won't happen. I mean, oh, they're I've out there. Are they out there? They're out there. I've never see, seen. See, I'm not exp- being really stupid. I've seen exploding yeah. Pyrex. I've seen exploding Corningware. <laughs> but I've, I've I have ne- seen that. Oh, I, I've experienced that, that yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that Pyrex thing. Yeah, the Corningware back in the day. Thanksgiving once in our family. Hot pan, cold water, crap. You know, yeah. not good. Yeah. But I've, I've never I've, seen a potato explode. Uh, I, I think I've seen it all. <laughs> I've seen <laughs> stuff do things it shouldn't do. Like, how does that but no exploding what is, potatoes. In your, in your estimation, <laughs> what is the most dangerous, not, you know, being reckless, but the most dangerous normal thing that happens in a kitchen that can get someone hurt that people should be really be more careful of? <laughs> yeah, Alan? Just, just dangerous. Go ahead. Go ahead. And I was just going to say cut finger. Cut your cut, finger. Cut finger, sure. Uh, Knife skills. <laughs> Um, trying to catch a knife. Oh. You know, a lot of people are really nervous when they first enter a kitchen. You know, uh, um, you know, there's a chef watching them and they're prepping their first vegetables. Mm-hmm. Inevitably, they get nervous and they drop the knife. Oh, because they want to save face. They try to catch it on the way down. Oh, oh. just let it hit the floor. Guys. See, I to me, I always see people when they have oil in a pan and yes. they accidentally get water and they get it wet. Uh. That or a gas stove where you don't put the things on right and somebody starts to cook. That's happened to me. It's Mm -hmm. a gas stove with open flame. Yeah. And it singes their fingers because it's, I don't know, it's those little center things that go down on the gas stove. And if they're they're cockeyed, then the flame comes up all of a sudden. It's not contained. Also something people really need to know, and you learn this once the hard way. Wet towels do not make good potholes. So, yeah, they're, they're, I'm going to mention that because overall, in general, I was going to say steam is an issue, especially mm-hmm. for inexperienced steam. people and yes, home steam. cooks. Steam is a thing that yeah, you open up that. There's, it's the most violent form of cooking, and it will burn you mm-hmm. the quickest. That's and it, right. it's, the, it's the worst kind of burn. That's okay? Right. Yeah. That's right. So, oh, steam, yes. just stay away, and that goes back to your towel. You don't want a wet towel, yeah. hot pan. That happens in the kitchen all the time. Mm-hmm. But just, you know, removing or opening a lid to a steam well or a sure. pot, yeah. that's that's where I see a lot of just first and second degrees on the hands and face. But back to Sullivan. Yes, <laughs> They'll you teach can, you how to you can learn all, all of this, this if right. you go to Sullivan and you sign up and, and at least do their tours and understand or send your high school kids to Chef Shadow. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's, that's, you know, it's a bigger deal being a restaurant owner, entre- entrepreneur. These are big issues that people ought to know about, um, and that's stuff that you learn, like food safety and all oh. that kind of stuff. You oh, know? absolutely! They they teach all the whole uh-huh. the whole food safety the program. Whole and as as John Foster says, even if you decide not to be a chef, 
you'll learn skills you'll, you'll learn. use for a lifetime. That's right. So. Like how not to get steamed and how not to get flamed and how not to <laughs> get, get whatever you <laughs> Whatever happens. Ah, anyway. Yeah. Now. We love Sullivan. We love Absolutely. Sullivan. And one thing we also love is horses. When we come back, we're going to talk yeah. to the handicapper to the stars, Ella Starr, about uh, Derby, Bourbon yeah. and Bets. Do you think he changed his name to that? For I that think reason? so. Yeah. I do. I really do. <laughs> we'll ask about it. Don't that. go anywhere. It's Food News and Shoes Radio. Hey, welcome back. It's Food News and Shoes Radio. What What is better than Derby Time in Kentucky? Or Ella Starr. Or Ella Starr. Nothing. He's Derby. a superstar. Did you change your name to say Starr? No, luckily I was born with it. But you were it, born it, it a star. Thank oh. you. Yeah, I always think it's a star. It's always so much. fun because we get to do this event with Ellis every year around Derby. Mm-hmm. You know, bourbon yeah. and bets at the restaurant. And I, I got to come up with like four triple crown derby winning dishes to go with you know to hold up to this guy man because he's kind know. of the star of the show i know he is he's so well known you are yeah. the uber you are the uber capper right that's 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 the name that my son when he was like eight years old chose for me and i decided to go with it and <laughs> it's worked out pretty well these people know who i am and so nice all it, right it's worked out well it's always it's always fun this time of year and i certainly look forward to this event at azure it's Nothing but fun seeing old friends and new ones. And when is this? It's talking next about Wednesday? the Derby. Yeah, so I'm sorry. I, I need to catch you guys up, listeners. So Bourbon and Bets is an event that Ella Star attends at, at Azor Restaurant every year. This is going to be like the 12th year, mm-hmm. I think, we've done this, which is pretty incredible. This is probably the longest-running chef series that we have. Ellis, he's the recapper. He picks his horses for oaks and derby he shows up at the restaurant just in time and they're hot off the press oh yeah and we kick oh, off yeah. basically a four course meal paired with kentucky bourbons of course this is derby time of right of course and then he goes table by table with his race sheet and kind of gives people the picks on what he feels is going to happen yeah. for those it, races is this besides what colors the jockeys are wearing or yeah, yeah we did ask that question to our <laughs> listeners ellis what how do you determine uh who's going to win uh, the race and you know there's some interesting answers whether it's physiological uh or a color right yeah i mean yeah yeah oh, no, come so, on you know it's, you know it's a magic eight ball right yeah, the magic yeah. Eight ball? yeah but you're pretty good i mean you you do really well so you like do the science you look at like where they were raised who their mama and their daddy were and all that stuff right well yeah but at this time of year, to be honest sylvia and jeremy these are these are the athletes going to the World Series. It's so true. they've they've proven themselves in February and March and April, and they're all bringing their A games. And some A games can be better than another. So I, I do look at a lot of the pedigree, but it's a lot of what they've done and just trying to guess how they're going to improve from their last mm-hmm. preparatory race in April until the first Saturday in May. And it's nothing more fun than. Uh, talking about the derby ellis do you ever just look at a horse look in its eyes and say no just no <laughs> not you i mean I imagine not, at some point today. you know it's you the look, cross-eyed ones you yeah, can't look in there you look at every other I, factor I wish... of a horse like where it was bred and how much it weighs and what it ate and when's the last time it peed and all that but at some point you just look at any eye and go no you're a loser well, I think I, I wouldn't say that. I'd say two things. First of all, you know, some horses just aren't as good as others when it comes to the first Saturday in May. And then some appear as good as others on mm-hmm. paper. And then they get into this race with 20 horses and it becomes a little bit of a 
pushing and shoving match in the first few hundred yards and they decide that they don't want any part of it um but yeah. you know in regular races i'll answer the question by saying uh, you know occasionally you see a horse just dancing on his toes and occasionally they don't usually wink at you though but you yeah. can tell which ones are probably better than the others and there's always surprises last year the world was surprised by rich strike at sure. you know ridiculous 80 to one odds. is there a front runner that right now yeah, actually, yeah. Do you have a good indication of like who's like, going like right to be right now? It's hard to predict. But who's the front right runner? now? Yeah, no, I absolutely. I've, I've whittled it down from twenty. Right now, we're at about twenty-four, twenty-five. I've kind of whittled it down to ten, maybe. Uh, that oh, wow. I think have more okay. chances than the rest, and I'll look at it again in a couple of days. By the time we do the event, I'll have my little sheet, which usually has six out of twenty that six I think can run better than the rest, and maybe some others that might finish second and third, but. The leader right now, and the, the leader in the pack is a horse named Forte, um, which is well named. You know, sometimes you name horses and they don't live up to their names. But Forte is his Forte is winning races. He's Forte he's won is six winning out races. Of seven of his love races. That. Wow! So, I love and that. he's uh, the leading contender right now, uh, having won both of his races this year. Uh, but there's another interesting horse named Angel of Empire, who I'm actually siding on and being maybe my top pick. Because he's oh, won okay. two of his last races, including the big race in Arkansas, the Arkansas Derby, and he did that very powerfully. So those those two are very very interesting. The horse that won the Toyota Bluegrass Stakes at Keeneland named Tappet Trice, uh, yeah. also a very yeah, good yeah, horse. Yeah. He's won four of his five races. So this goes back to what I said about these top four, five, six contenders all bringing their A game coming into this Fabulous. race. Yeah. Do you I know, think though, yeah. Do you think that horses uh, have I've heard from people who train horses that the horses kind of know they have this attitude and the real confident horses know they have this like walk they just they talked about it swagger it. yeah they have, like, swagger. they have a swagger do yeah, do you believe that the the horses are kind of uh, aware of what's going on and they they really do want to win yeah they worked it out in the barn before yeah 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 a hundred a hundred thousand just a thousand percent I'll say a hundred a hundred percent yes horses have attitudes there are alphas yeah there are leaders and there are followers and the horse is going to run to the best of its ability if it's happy but at this level when you get to the graded stakes not just the derby but the other stakes on derby day in each division like on grass and for males and for females and short and long a lot of these horses have proven themselves to be alphas and they want to win they know they're good mm -hmm. and they exude a little bit of swagger, swagger. that's swagger. a great word for it hey i know chef wants to get into food but i'm going to ask ellis a question yeah mm -hmm. When are your peppers coming in? <laughs> he <laughs> Boy, grows the best peppers. Ah. It's been it's been a you know a weird season. We oh, had no. that heat wave a few weeks ago, yeah, and I yeah. actually have my peppers growing inside right now. And I, I hopefully, if I get two three good weeks of heat and get them back on my deck, uh, we'll have lots of peppers for the spring and the summer, and I'll bring them for you and for the restaurant anybody that wants them yeah we'll make they're good sauce with those i love those so ellis in, yeah. in terms of our local breeders and i don't know trainers and such like that anybody from from here that you think is going to be showing up at the derby any of our local oh, heroes absolutely yeah uh the that, one of the top trainers in north america is brad cox and he's a louisville native um he's based in louisville i think he grew up in louisville and he's become one of the top trainers over the last few years. He started with a horse named Nick's Go, who won the Breeders' Cup Classic. Um, just a tremendous horse. And he's got a number of horses in here. One of the ones I mentioned earlier, Angel of Empire, who won 
the Risen Star Stakes and the Arkansas Derby, Louisiana, and in Arkansas. Uh, Brad Cox has another horse named Hit Show, who uh, was just second, just beaten by a couple inches in the big prep of New York called the Wood Memorial. And he's got another one called Verifying, who also suffered a tough defeat. He was beaten the neck in the Toyota Bluegrass Stakes by Tappet Trice. So Brad Cox is probably the local trainer that we all think of that's locally based. He runs year-round, and he's got probably three horses in the yeah, race. Yeah, kind of a rising star. Oh, wow. But three you were going to ask about the food at Well, yeah, Keeneland. actually, yeah. In, in terms of... Uh, also, one thing I want to know is, like, when Chef Mark at Keeneland first started, I got to, to meet him and talk to him. And, you know, he had a particular vision <clears throat> for Keeneland and what he wanted to do. And, uh, you know, I was like, you know, we're this is a legacy mm-hmm. racetrack with legacy foods. And, you know, it, the vision seemed good. But I just wanted to see what the tone is out there in terms of the food. Because we love our bread pudding. We love our yes. burgoo. We love our Keeneland chili dogs. But it seems like things are elevated there. And I think it has to do with Mark, but you're there and you you can tell us. I just know when I go to the various dining rooms to meet with groups or the corporate boxes and even the concession stands, everybody's happy. I mean, the food has been yeah. phenomenal. Um, they've switched to a buffet in one of the areas. Another area is just has table service still and great menu. But most of the big dining rooms have buffets. And the, I've seen prime rib and I've seen ham and nice. tremendous sides. The bread pudding recipe hasn't changed. It's still the bread pudding with the Maker's Mark sauce. Mm-hmm. And people just get spoiled by it. It is just so good. You know what's uh, cool And the about concessions that? have been great. I had I had a Kentucky dog for the first time. Kentucky I don't know why dog? Before, what's a Kentucky dog? A quarter pound. Kentucky dog. A Kentucky dog comes with a giant scoop of burgoo and banana <gasps> See, that's all right. I'm there. I mean, instead of chili, you got burgoo on a dog. Uh, okay. sounds amazing, uh, actually. It's all the critters uh, in one bite. Yeah, and you have to go, like, to the downstairs kind mm. of stuff. These aren't in the rooms. The rooms are more upscale. Exactly. Oh, these in, these in, are the concession stands for the common folk. In the bread <laughs> pudding, I'll go there. You know, common or whatever, concession stand, tr- food truck, I don't care where you put that bread pudding. It, it holds up at mm-hmm. a concession stand or it will hold up on a plate served to the queen. I mm-hmm. mean, really, it, it, it has a place anywhere in the world. A Kentucky dog, though. Man, that's worth a trip out there to get it. Yeah, I'm on my way. Why do you think it's so good? Why do you think it's so good? What, bread pudding? Yeah. Like, why do you think there specifically is so good? Well, I, I know the recipe well. And, and I think if you really want to get into it, everybody loves Sister Schubert's yeast rolls, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know, that's kind of the base bread they use. I've used just plain old white bread or stale bread, whatever you want. The, the real secret is keeping your egg and milk ratio right because there's only eggs, milk, salt, cinnamon, sugar in this. It's really not a, a complicated mm-hmm. recipe. Mm-hmm. But when you pour it on the bread, you really want to soak that for as long as possible before you cook it. Uh, so it's really, really moist, and all yeah, the sure. milk and eggs soak into the bread. After that, covering it and doing a very low, slow bake is the way to go, just like we were talking With about baked, baked potatoes. potatoes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the bread pudding will be fluffy and moist that way. Um, when I do it at home, I put saran wrap on the uh, over it, and then I put foil over it. And then I bake you it can in do a that? water really bath. Steam oh. And I really steam it in a water bath. And it's jiggly oh, and really fluffy. Now, the next part to this, and you put golden raisins in the bread pudding too. Sorry. Mm. The next part is the, the, the sauce. It's not a sauce. It's icing. It's melted icing. And all you really do is whip butter and powdered sugar and mm-hmm. straight mm-hmm. bourbon until 
it's icing. I mean, it's like a pound of butter to two pounds of powdered sugar to a cup of raw bourbon. And you whip that until it's like frothy and good. And you just slap it on the bread pudding and it melts. And if you're doing this at home, you can do bourbon here and then in there and bourbon here and bourbon there. You Uh got to know your product quality control, right? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Try your stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's how they make it. I mean, and it's, it's just good because they do it. They put in the effort, they use mm-hmm. good ingredients, and they do it right. There's nothing, you know, difficult or fancy it, about yeah. it. It's just done good. So, Ellis, get, you get same excitement. You just get excited this time of year. It's like your time of year, isn't it? It's you. It's what you do. Yeah, no, it, it, it's a lot It's a lot of fun. I enjoy Keelan. I enjoy all times of year with racing. And we have, you know, big races in the summer in Saratoga, New York. So, you go all the circuit Florida. then. You go everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I stay I stay in Lexington, but I do do everywhere. But I I want to make a comment about the 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 sauce Jeremy was talking about. I don't know if I ever told this funny story because the sauce is renowned, as Jeremy just said. And yeah. there was a time when there was a lot of people in the press box at Keeneland, and once a year they'd bring a tray of their bread pudding and they'd have the sauce separately, and in a little bucket, and you're supposed to heat the sauce up and pour it on top. Well, I'll tell you. The sauce disappeared way before the bread. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's right. That's wonderful. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. Yeah, that sounds great. That sounds great. So will you do anything with Derby or are you kind of Keeneland is or do you, I mean, other than you're very interested in it? Oh. No, I mean, it's it's so much fun. That, you know, the two days, as everybody knows, you follow, it's just not the Derby and the Oaks. I mean, they're probably going to have 10 or 11 races on Friday, Kentucky Oaks Day, the 5th, and then on Derby Day, the 6th, 11 or 12, maybe 13. Hopefully right now the weather forecasters are predicting a decent day on Saturday. Usually a little drizzles on Friday. We'll see how that goes. But, I mean, I, I go through the entire card, so I do that for our website, lecobase.com, okay. and various of the betting uh-huh. outlets. I put together a whole selection, about 10 pages or so for both days. So I'll be kind of wrapped up on Tuesday and Wednesday doing those races just in time to get ready to go out and visit with all the fine folks at Azure at Bourbon and Bets and kind of take a day off, take a nap, and then uh, Hit Friday and Saturday I'm at Churchill Downs uh, working with uh, lots of fine fans and helping them hopefully cash a few tickets. Sounds great. Sounds fantastic. Any, before we before we go, any uh, last minute, like not not ho- particular horse tips, but tips on betting in general for for the novice. Is there anything you can give us, you know, how to put your money down or maybe how to, you know, some of the exotic bets we might understand for a good for a novice better. Are there any like just little tips you can give us to help? Well, yeah, I, I know it's intimidating. So one of the things I always tell people is when you go to the races and you're having fun socializing, and eating and drinking like so many people do at Keeneland. The most important thing is just to bet a horse to win, place, and show. We call it across the board. So you bet $2 to win, $2 to place, $2 to show on one horse, $6 bet. You could bet more. But then you win something, whether it comes in first, second, or third, gives you something to root for in a race. That's the best. which is the fun part. Exactus can get a little tough trying to pick first and second. You know, always box it, which means starting with the number of horses, the minimum, which is two, one to come in first, one to come in second in any order. In a bigger field, you might box three or four horses, a dollar minimum. So a three-horse exacta box costs you $6. You got six chances to win out of 30 or 40 or 50, depending on the number of horses in a race. And, you know, that's the basic things I tell people to do when you're there. As far as Mm -hmm. looking at them, there's nothing more fun than picking your own horses. And that's just a matter of looking at the distance of the race, looking at the horse's history, just reading a little bit of how to read the information in the program, 
and seeing how they've run in those similar races in the mm-hmm. past. Before you know it, you eliminate a few and you have one or two yeah. horses that you think are better than the rest and then lay your money yeah. down. And who has the momentum at the there time. You go. Yeah, sounds lay good. Lay your money down. Hey, baby. (laughs) Do it. Just be happy if you take anything back. Ella Starr. (laughs) Thank you, Ella. Be good. Thank you so much. My pleasure. My pleasure. Everybody have a great week. You too. Thank you. All right, everybody. Back in a moment. Mm -hmm. It's Food News and Choose Radio.